All right. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. My name is Matt Hines. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we are here every week, Thursday at 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern live. Uh, we've always been live. And now, as you can see in our new format, we are live doing this on LinkedIn, doing it with the full video. Uh, I still have a face for radio, but we're turning the video on now as well. Uh, if you are joining us live in the middle of your workday, thanks so much for joining us. We've got a good 20, 25 minutes planned uh, talking a little B2B sales and marketing. If you are listening on the podcast and are joining us, uh, and if you're subscribing, thank you so much for listening regularly. If you're discovering us for the first time, you can find every episode, all 278, I believe now, past episodes of Sales Pipeline Radio available Believe it or not, at salespipelineradio.com. We are featuring each week some of the best and brightest minds in B2B sales and marketing. Today is absolutely no different. Very excited to have with us Chief Marketing Officer of Highland, Drew Chapin. Drew, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. So we have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions. We have a lot of ground we can cover. Um, but my first question actually is about Xander Shoffley. So it's not every day that I get a chance to interview a B2B CMO who is actually part of the marketing mix is sponsoring a PGA golf professional. And I mean, you see this with Workday, you see this with, you know, I saw this with Concur and Jason Day. And I'm just curious, like what goes into like a lot of marketers are thinking about webinars and trade shows and driving pipeline. I'd love to hear the backstory of how this came to be and how this became part of the marketing mix for Highland. That, that's a great question. That, that sponsorship has been, has really been a lot of fun. We, it really started with, with my boss who runs sales, marketing services and customer success being interested in sports sponsorship. You know, it's more like the chairman's choice strategy, if you will, Hey, go sponsor this, this team or this, um, you know, this player. We, we were able to talk him into slowing things down and letting us um, kind of think about it more strategically. And we partnered with, our, our agency partner and did some research and, and, and what we learned was the audience that we coveted, um, you know, what, what they were interested in were things like golf, tennis, major league baseball. And so uh, we landed on golf because of its global reach. And we were lucky that uh, Xander Shoffley was available and interested in, in a partnership. And we've been in at this for about a year and a half now. Uh, and it's been, it's been a lot of fun. We, we created a, integrated campaign with Xander um, that's in market and uh, and doing really well. We're getting a lot of engagement and conversions from the content that we created with them. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. I'd love to have you talk a little more about the X factor campaign. Cause I actually spent a little time with this the other day. It's a really great way of taking just like, you know, you got a guy who is, you know, who's on, um, you know, who's on the tour, who's on TV every weekend, or if it makes the cut most weekends. Right. And so giving obviously some value to the brand, but then how, how does that play in? I mean, do you have to negotiate with the player or their agent for how much time they'll spend on this? And then how do you, I mean, clearly this is a brand and demand effort for you. How does that come to be and how do you sort of build that mix? Yeah. I mean, getting into the, the, the a little bit of the detail is you, you do negotiate for his time and that's what essentially you're paying for. I mean, you do get some, some branding right now we're on, on Xander's sleeve. Um, but we pay for uh, you know content creation, so he participates in a in a production day uh, annually with us. We're able to create video. He's done interviews for us on podcasts and and, and other formats as well, and that's all that's all negotiated. Um, and so so that's that's been something that we negotiate upfront. 
but as far as the X Factor campaign, you know, we have a hard time explaining to our buyers and our customers what the, va the value that Highland provides. And, and one of the ways that my, my boss and our CEO is, has explained it, it's kind of like a Swiss army knife. It's like a tool that you can use to solve a lot of different problems in your organization. You know, and, and it's kind of like an X Factor, right? It's like a, some special sauce that you can apply to fix a process that might be broken or to automate a workflow. You know, we work a lot with unstructured data uh, and with what we do. And so, um, you know, we kind of see Highland as an X Factor for our business. And we just kind of fell into the, uh, you know, off the luck tree and hit every lucky branch on the way down that Xander was available. And we have that mnemonic connection between, you know, the X Factor and his name. That's really cool. It's got to be also like, you know, there's a halo effect there in terms of, you know, people joining the company and sort of thinking that it's pretty cool to have, you know, the company, I mean, it's on the sleeve, but like to see your company name on TV on the weekends. And uh, there's got to be some cool, cool X factors internally for that as well. Um, Definitely. I want to talk about the broader sort of sales and marketing mix. You know, we're, we're 12 months after we all kind of went in a hole and tried to stay away from a global pandemic. Talk a little bit about how the marketing mix has changed for you in the last 12 months. Like, what have you had to pivot to? And now as we maybe see a little light at the end of the tunnel, what adjustments may become fixtures uh, for your marketing mix moving forward? Well, I think COVID uh, really accelerated what was already happening in, in the marketing mix. You know, we, we were really investing a lot in, uh, in digital, in our data infrastructure and analytics. And when, you know, all, when the world shut down a year ago and in-person events were canceled and that was no longer a viable option for us, you know, we really doubled down in digital um, in, in, our, in our paid advertising and our paid search and our SEO efforts and the technology that we use to run our business. And I don't see that going back. I think that that uh, digital engagement is here to stay. And, and the other thing I would say is it's also changed on the buyer side. So where I think historically speaking, the, the buyer journey was kind of serial as it relates to sales and marketing. Marketing would develop and nurture the opportunity and then they would hand it off to a sales rep who would handle the, uh, you know, from, from lead to close. Well, now it's a buyer driven process and that buyer bounces back and forth between a marketing tactic that they're consuming or a piece of content that they're reading to learn more about your solution and having a conversation with a sales rep. So it really has changed the dynamic on both sides of the equation. Yeah, and I think it, it's interesting you say that because I think we're seeing the buying behavior change. And despite the fact we now hit sales and marketing teams that are more remote and more distance from each other, we're seeing evidence that that's actually driving them closer together. Right, that that forced into you know sort of moving away from field marketing events, knowing that there's this more complex buyer, it's forcing sales and marketing teams. To work more closely together, we're talking to the on sales pipeline radio with Drew Chapin. He's the chief marketing officer for Highland. Um, you know, there's so much ground we can cover here. I want to talk about something that, that comes up a lot when we talk to CMOs and marketing leaders, especially with fast growing companies, and it's marketing's role in MA. You guys have been on, you guys have done a lot of MA efforts uh, in the last, well, I don't know how long time, but it seems like I see you guys associated with sort of acquisitions and growth that way quite a bit. Um, Talk about what that means for a marketing team. I mean, you know, you know, when you're trying to drive growth, when you're trying to drive pipeline, acquisitions can be a distraction and they can be an accelerator. 
sometimes both, sometimes one or the other. How do you manage and balance sort of bringing an acquisition in from a marketing perspective with sort of distort more evergreen marketing goals? Well, I, I, it's really a great question. And, and, it, and lately, it's, we've been on a little bit of an acquisition spree. And, and so it has created some disruption. I think marketing, you know, in Highland, we have a seat at the table when we're making these decisions and evaluating companies. So I'm usually brought in pretty early and I understand the strategy behind the acquisition. And that sometimes affects the downstream of what you do, whether you're, um, you know, are you buying a, a customer base? Are you buying technology? And, and that obviously affects the branding decisions that you make. So there's definitely a strategic element of marketing that has to be considered as you're bringing these, these new companies uh, into the Highland fold. And then, of course, there's a lot of operational decisions that need to be made. So one of the lessons I've learned is that some of these, these acquired companies have more mature processes than we have mm -hmm. because they're smaller and they're able to move a little bit faster. And maybe they're a little more modern than Highland, Highland is. You know, we're, we'll be over a billion dollars in revenue this year. And so we, we've learned not to make quick judgment of, you know, the Highland way versus the acquired company way. We like to take our time to evaluate what our, you know, our new, our new teammates are doing or we're doing before acquisition to see if there's anything we can take advantage of um, with more resources that we have at our disposal at Highland. It's such a smart approach, I think, because, you know, when you're, when you're the company being acquired, there's an awful lot of fear and uncertainty around that. You know, and there's an assumption that like, okay, we lost and the company that bought us won. Um, and there's plenty of companies that treat it that way, right? But you know, if, if you know, these are gonna be your colleagues moving forward, your ability to, to handle that with sort of some grace and empathy up front, you know, and, and to take your time and be patient with that is an important part of that. Talk about sort of you were kind of talking about, you know, the the elements of sort of culture and team building and sort of respecting the people behind the marketers and the people behind the professionals. I imagine that has been as a as a leader that has been a particular big priority over last year. Talk about ways that as a, as a CMO, you have prioritized team building and culture um, in the last 12 months amidst COVID. Well, we were fortunate to have a pretty strong foundation to begin with. Highland is a very employee-centric and uh, people-centric culture. And so uh, we treat our employees really well to begin with. With COVID, it got more difficult though, because a lot of what, uh, you know, our, our, culture delivers is is done in person you know are do you go ever go visit a highland office it has a feel to it it has a very kind of open and, and collaborative uh, uh culture that's that's happening and with zoom and with virtual environments it was hard for us to bring that culture to our employees so uh you know last summer we started doing really fun things that weren't work related to help uh, energize and you know the culture and keep people engaged. One of the example is we had people submit baby pictures of themselves, mm. and then we sent those pictures out to the team, and people had to guess who was who. And then we met at five o'clock and had a beverage and revealed all of the baby picture names, and it was a riot. We were all cracking up, and we we liked it so much we did a follow fast follower, which was the uh, an activity you did from age like eight to 12. And so you had like ballerinas and baseball players. And it was just really, it was a fun way to stay engaged with your teammates on a personal level since we weren't seeing them in person anymore in the office. That's really, that's a great idea. I think um, someone, I remember one of my assistants a few years ago and we were in the office, we used to do sort of birthday celebrations and she 
she had secretly emailed my wife and I show up the, the day and there's pictures of me from high school around the office and I may not look like it now, but I had long hair in high school. I was a musician. I was trying to go for that. My joke is I was trying to go for like a Michael Bolton look and I ended up more like a Yanni or sorry, I was looking, the opposite. I was looking for a Yanni look and I ended up more like uh, Michael Bolton. It was not, it wasn't pretty. Um, I appreciate being follically challenged now. This is way easier to maintain. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, finding ways to create and sort of manage and sort of facilitate that culture is important. Um, talk about the workplace productivity side of that then. Um, you know, when you've got a distributed team and I'm not sure, maybe and talk about like how were you all in the office before this happened where you have a chance to see each other in the hallways or on the way to get coffee or, you know, there's, there's always that small talk before and after meetings. Like that's a lot weirder now with Zoom. What, what were some of what have been some of your best practices and lessons in sort of creating, you know, not just connectivity, but sort of productivity and focus for your teams in a remote environment? Well, the, the, the benefit of Zoom, uh, and we are, we're a hybrid, and we're, we're a hybrid organization, you know, we had 60 to 70% of our people in offices and 30% remote. But what it did is it democratized that once, once, uh, once the pandemic hit, because everyone was on the level playing field. So our remote employees actually really appreciated the change from making sure their voice was heard and, and, and participating in, in, in that. You know, in terms of productivity, uh, the thing that I, we had to be really careful about is um, fatigue and overworking people because it's pretty easy to jump on a Zoom um, and, and really, you know, it seems to create more work sometimes than it did before where you're not, before you're scheduling breaks or you're making sure you're taking time to decompress where when you're going from Zoom to Zoom to Zoom, it can get overwhelming for a lot of folks sitting. So what we've encouraged our employees to do is to take breaks. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes if they're on an, like an all hands call, listen to it while you're walking around the block or walking your dog yeah. and then giving, uh, and, and at the leadership level, you know, demonstrating that, like I'll, I'll take breaks. I exercise during the day. I want to encourage my team to do that because of the, 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 the risk of potentially overworking them through you know the more efficient way that we're now engaging each other yep i find i, I love that and i i found just even managing our you know our small team through the year through this past year explicit permission and leading by example are really really important you know if i'm going to tell people you need to take your time and take your personal time and like pto time is yours like i can't be checking doing email nights and weekends i can't be checking in on vacation um i love that you know i think so many people feel pressure to be on the video and on the zoom call when sometimes like you're listening in you can participate just as well while getting outside getting some sun getting some exercise um you know we do a, a cmo group and we have some people that will show up on friday mornings some of them are literally on their treadmills i've seen a couple people that are, are are on their pelotons right and they're literally just like they've just set up their camera or whatever and they're just like getting something else done so giving explicit permission to that i think um is really important we got just a few more minutes here with our guest today on sales pipeline radio drew chapin he's the chief marketing officer at highland and we've been spending most of this conversation talking about you as the seller i want to flip this around and talk about you as the buyer so i have to imagine as the chief marketing officer of a large and growing marketing or uh, large growing enterprise software company you get a handful of sales pitches from time to time um talk about what gets your attention uh, i don't want to spend a whole lot of time like sdr shaming because i think we've all got examples of like the terrible opinions and messages we get 
let's talk about what's working. Let's talk about, you know, what gets your attention? Why does it get your attention? What of that, what elements within those seem to be working? Well, I, I think when I get introduced to new vendors or new solutions that sometimes I'm not even looking for, it's through, through Google searches about a problem I'm trying to solve. Mm -hmm. And I land on a thought leadership piece or a blog around, um, you know, SEO optimization or digital advertising or, you know, AI or, you know, all these things that we're thinking about. And, you know, obviously some of those are, are traditional channels, but some are, are newer, more modern. And I land on a vendor site because they wrote a, a, an engaging piece that's not really selling me anything. It's just telling me this is the way you may want to approach solving this problem. And oh, by the way, we happen to have solutions that can help you. And so I think that that is a great way through, um, you know, through thought leadership, educational content that is helping CMOs solve their problems is, is a great way to get my attention. Well, and I think what you referenced there that I want to cover as well is, you know, not just sort of that, that value added content, but CMO level value added content. Talk about, you know, some ways that, you know, sort of how important is it that someone sort of levels up and understands the perspective you have on a particular problem versus maybe other departments or other people in your organization as a way of creating, you know, more compelling content that gets your attention? Well, I think for me, it's, it's not just marketing related. So my, I have my peers across the company, you know, I, I, I'm like, I mentioned earlier, I'm in M and a conversations. I have regular engagements with our CFO. Uh, you know, we're looking at five year business plans. And, and so the, you know, what is, what is C I, I am interested in knowing like the CFO perspective on CMO. Like, can I, how do I, how do I brief my board? It more effectively or how do I brief the you know the CEO better and things that are related to cross departmental you know education for someone like me that that doesn't just lead a marketing organization but is also part of the executive team and has to engage and collaborate across the entire company. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think you know last question as a buyer, I think you know there's plenty of salespeople that say, listen, if I can just get to the top person in the organization, and I think there's a book literally called Selling to Vito, and Vito is an acronym for very important top officer. So if I can just get to Drew and have the tall with him, I'm gonna get somewhere. Talk about how you make buying decisions and what the buying committee means within your organization when it comes to deciding to do something. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because nothing bothers me more when um, I feel like a, a seller is going around one of my leaders to try to sell to me directly and almost create a wedge between me and, and someone else on the team. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I would prefer that if someone is trying to sell to me that they get the buy-in of my leadership first. Uh, and that, because I trust them to make the right decisions. And by the way, they're the ones that are going to have to live with those long-term on their team. So the way, in my opinion, to get to the CMO, and it might be bi-directional and maybe through the, the thought leadership content we talked about earlier directed at the C-level, but the selling has to happen to get that, that buying unit and that, uh, you know, aligned before the executive gets engaged because the executive's generally going to go off the recommendation of the buying unit. Yeah. 
It's such a good point. And, um, you know, respecting the buying process and the way that your, your prospect wants to buy versus the way you think you want to sell. So, so important. Um, there's sort of this ongoing thread in the, in the CMO coffee talk group that we co-manage that, you know, literally there, we, there's a hashtag now that, that, that is sort of a damn it. And then a, uh, an analyst firm at the end of that. I won't name names. It starts with a G. It may end with Artner. I don't know. But, um, but like the, the sales tactics that are like copying the board, going over someone's head, saying like a salesperson may feel like that's getting them leverage. I guarantee you it is doing the opposite um, on your deal. So um, now good feedback. And I want to make sure we cover that from you as well. Well, we covered a lot of ground here today. Everything from golf to empathy to um, maybe pictures of your team, which is a lot of fun. Uh, Drew Chapin, uh, CMO at Highland. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. Uh, we'll be here again next week, 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern, live on LinkedIn. If you're listening, we'll have new episodes up on salespipelineradio.com soon as well. Thanks for listening. My name is Matt Hines. We'll see you next week.